everyone, and welcome to the Cocky Top Podcast, home of the SEC football show where forever to the Gamecock Brian Lowe and all the all Tyler McDaniel put their friendship to the test during a grueling football season, all while highlighting and fighting for their volunteers and Gamecocks respectively throughout their season as well as our thoughts on other teams in the conference as well as the league. So regardless if you're a volunteer or a Gamecock or somewhere in between, let's kick this thing off and talk some ball. What's up all you cock and balls and welcome to another episode of the Cocky Top Podcast. It sure has been a while there, hey T-Mac? Mm-hmm, a little bit. We have definitely been talking a lot of ball but have not been able to talk to you guys about any ball as of late. Of course, we missed the preview of last week's game, Tennessee taking on UConn, South Carolina in a cockfight in Columbia, did wind up getting the victory, and of course, it goes without saying that Tennessee was able to handily take care of mm-hmm. UConn in that bout this last pa- or past Saturday. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are going to go ahead and do a little bit of highlighting of that game uh, since we didn't get to do a preview or review of that show uh, since it is preview Friday, mm-hmm. uh, we actually need to get into what would be week 11 games at this point. we got three games left in the season. Yeah. Already. This weekend, two weekends left, that's it, and college football is done for and the it, season. And is it, it is a, a dreary Friday. We're seeing a little bit of that November rain. Oh. Nice. Nice. We've got... An interesting matchup this weekend, so let's let's talk uh, let's talk last weekend since we weren't able to. And uh, I mean, there's not really much to say about UConn and Tennessee. Poor UConn was already one and seven coming in. Not a great season. And then it was like 59 to three final score. We saw all four quarterbacks hit the field for Tennessee, and I don't think. I have ever seen a fourth stringer play a game in my lifetime. I, I mean, apart from it being due to injury, not because of how the not, game's yeah. going. But yeah, you're right. Final score, fifty-nine to three. Uh, Joe Milton, eleven of fourteen on the day, only made fourteen passing attempts for a total of two hundred and fifty-four yards and two touchdowns. QB rating of ninety-eight. So he didn't have to see the field for long. Mm-mm. Nico Ayamaliva comes in five of nine for eighty-six yards. Uh, Ninety-seven point no, three QB rating. Yeah, I mean he he looks just as good. He looks better than Milton, to be honest. And and, and Milton, honestly, in the last two games, has played his best football season. <laughs> right. Uh, no one throws like Gaston. No one runs mm-hmm. like Gaston. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gaston Moore comes in four of seven for thirty-six yards, QB rating of twenty point six. A very familiar yeah. name. Uh, for Tennessee fans uh, by the name of Schuler. Uh, Navy in this case, Schuler. Navy Schuler comes in uh, one of one. It was for minus one yard, uh, and he did wind up finishing up with a 76.7 QB rating. <clears throat> but Jalen Wright, of course, getting back in there, eight carries, 113 yards, and a touchdown on the day with a long of 82. So... 85% of his yardage for the day came off of one pop run. Yep. Uh, Cameron Selden, a name that we have seldom heard yeah. this year, uh, as the number two RB for the day. Six carries, 35 yards, long of 11. 
Patrick Wilk getting a couple of carries, two for 33, long of 17. Dylan Sampson falling down the list while he had more carries, had fewer yards, five carries for 28 yards and a long of 17. On the other side of the ball, uh, or field as it were, UConn passing their uh, main quarterback, Taquan Robertson, 24-40 for 218 yards but throwing two picks on the day. And then uh, backup Zion Turner coming in, uh, one of two for three yards on the day. Um, Rushing not that much better as a team total, 28 attempts for 35 yards and a long of 11. It it just seemed like it was just a really glorified scrimmage. I don't mean to sound disrespectful, but UConn's just happy basketball started. Yeah, that is definitely the case. Definitely the case. Uh, receiving for Tennessee, rather pedestrian numbers in yeah. terms of catches, uh, but it's just because they were going for <laughs> forever. Squirrel White, two catches for a total of 94 yards and a touchdown, but one of those touchdowns was an 83-yard yep. catch. And even the defense got in on the scoring with a couple of touchdowns. Uh, there was, what, two pick sixes mm-hmm. in that game. Aaron Beasley, a 39-yarder for a touchdown, and Jalen McCullough, a 30-yarder for a touchdown. Even on kick returns, the couple of t- kick returns, and I literally mean a couple, uh, D. Williams fielded one and Cameron Selden fielded the other. Williams went for 23 yards and Selden went for 15. And as far as punt returns, Williams had a couple of punt returns. Only one uh, field goal attempted on the day uh, by Josh Turbyville. Other than that, it was all PATs, most of them by Charles Campbell and one by Turbyville. Defensively, uh, Tennessee continues to live in the opposing backfield with 13 tackles for loss in this game. And I don't even want to guess what their ranking is right now as far as Tennessee in terms of where they they rank on you know, defensively or, or um, tackles for loss, sacks. Tackles for loss, top three last time I checked. I know ranking all defensively in the SEC were like top five. Right. So, uh, but as for the, the, the TFL stat, I, I think we're in the top three still. Yeah. Just a good defense this year. Absolutely. Um, moving over to, unless you want to add anything else as far as Tennessee. About Man, this I, one. I, you know, I, I had a show that day. Uh, I was able to watch the first half before we had to start gearing up and getting like in costume and, and running all of our, our fight calls and all that stuff. So um, I did get to watch the first half. Um, it was, uh, it was pretty clear cut and dry that uh, that was however people say that was some of the best football that Joe Milton and Tennessee has possibly played that's great to hear but part of me wants to hear that against you know a Missouri a Georgia a UConn already coming in one and seven and it's our was it homecoming it was homecoming and you know, we only have three games left after that in the season. I hate that it's that. This is the best football they've played. Right. A little late in the season 
to be wanting to hear that. I mean, I hope we hear it this weekend and next weekend. You're like, oh, they've only gotten better. They've only gotten better. Especially Not much considering to say. the opponent. Yeah, yeah it's, I mean, it's pretty clear, cut, and dry. Beat the living snot out of them. I don't know the full story. Apparently, there was something said in the handshake amongst the coaches. Uh, UConn's coach apparently said something snarky. Neither one of them would address it in their post-game conferences. UConn coaches, regardless of sport, always seem to have a bit of saltiness. A snark. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, go Vols. It was a great, great victory uh, against a, a very easy pedestrian team. Just looking forward to to this weekend. Uh, how did the, uh, the first-time-ever bout go in South Carolina? Well, for the first-ever full-on uh, battle of the Gamecocks, while uh, a lot of people tout that this was the first time that the – Gamecocks ever played a Gamecock-ish themed team. It was the very first time that we actually played another team that referred to themselves as the Gamecocks. Mm-hmm. Um, because uh, Coastal Carolina, the Chanticleers. Chanticleers, yeah. Just another name for a a rooster. Yeah. Um, and we've played them multiple times being in-state competition. Um, but yes, this was the first ever b- actual battle of the Gamecocks, the full-on cockfight in Columbia. Quick question to you. If I were to ask you, where do you think Jacksonville State came from, what would be your answer? Well, I mean, initially I would say Florida because it's Jacksonville. Right. That's the more prominent that's Jacksonville. That's the more prominent Jacksonville. But isn't there a Jacksonville in Missouri or Mississippi? There are. There's a Jackson, Mississippi. Jackson, yeah. Uh, Where is the, you're where's not this far Jacksonville? Off. It's, a, it's a Bama school. Wow. Yes, Jacksonville State is a Bama school. Uh, not quite as prominent, of course, as UAB. Um, yeah. But they would be thought of in that similar vein. They had made the jump up into uh, the Power Five and are now operating... Let's see. Let me double check here. I don't want to give out any kind of incorrect Because, I mean, I'm going to be honest. Uh, until we started this show and we started talking about schedules in those uh, they are first couple episodes, I did not know this school existed. Yeah, it's it's Conference USA, so they play teams like Liberty, New Mexico Oof. State, Western Kentucky, La Tech, okay. uh, UTEP, Middle Tennessee. Wow. Uh, Florida International, Sam Houston, stuff like that, uh, teams like that. They played Coastal Carolina this year. The the Jacksonville State Gamecocks coming into this one were uh, seven and one. They had wins against UTEP, ETSU, Eastern Michigan, Sam Houston, Middle Tennessee, Western Kentucky, and Florida International, with losses against Coastal Carolina, Liberty, and then of course now South Carolina, with Louisiana Tech and New Mexico State remaining on their schedule. And will likely um, go to a Conference USA title since only two of their losses. And, and confer- in, uh, in conference, actually, they only have one loss. Uh, they're 5-1. and one. The, the one loss would be, of course, to Liberty, who is 7-0 and in conference, 9-0 and overall right now. While the, the score should have been better than it was, it wasn't like we were going up against a truly inferior opponent. 
Mm-hmm. Um, not like we, not it, like we it's, did. It's it's similar to what we had to deal with with Furman earlier in the season. Mm-hmm. But uh, as it turns out, the final score was thirty-eight twenty-eight, uh, and that final seven points for the Gamecocks came on a uh, pick six to seal the game by uh, second-year linebacker Stone Blanton. Uh, on the day, Spencer Rattler, 27 of 38 for 399 yards, two touchdowns, one interception, 66.2 QBR rating on the day. Uh, we did have a fake um, kick attempted by Kai Kroger to try to uh, get some momentum going at one point in time in the game, but unfortunately he did wind up getting an incompletion on that one. Rushing the ball, Super Mario Anderson, 16 carries for 75 yards on the day. Again, similar to Tennessee running back, it was a situation to where a majority of the yardage came on a single pop because mm-hmm. he had a long of 40 uh, there in the first half. Juju McDowell got a little bit of stuff going on the ground, six yard, or six carries for 23 yards, a long of seven in that one. Still trying to get to carry on Joyner uh, going as a running back, and it's still proving to be rather fruitless in this scenario um, as he had three carries for a total of three yards. Even actually got a defensive player in on offensive side of the ball, uh, Tonka Hemingway, wound mm-hmm. up having a goal line package where he was the ball carrier. Oh. And wound up going. Bowling ball through. Tonka yep, trunked through. Yep. One one carry for two yards and then get a touch and did get a touchdown on that one. I should um, call that play the Tonka truck. Right. Out of those 399 yards, X-Man Xavier Leggett took home 217 of those. He is now in, I want to say, second place all-time leading receiver for South Carolina at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, just a little bit more, and he's going to wind up taking that. And before it's all said and done, uh, Spencer Rattler will definitely be in the top three or four all-time passers at South Carolina, which is it's it's amazing that he's done that in just two years. Yeah, but it's also kind of crazy to think that with what he's produced – there have been three other better quarterbacks than him. Right. But, I mean, a situation where they've had... Four years. Four years. Yeah. Or more. And who's to say that we may still be able to reach bowl eligibility this year? We we were able to overcome hurdle number one of four in taking down Jacksonville yeah. State. Of course, we still have Vanderbilt this week, Kentucky the following week, and then Clemson in that final week. You know a weird stat I found out about Vandy? What's that? They are either one first or second in the SEC in red zone defense. So you need to score and you you just you from wouldn't know that. Of the, yeah. You wouldn't think that that no. Vandy has a a top rank stat under their name this season. No, not in in especially in something like that. Yeah. Debo Williams, another Debo off the South Carolina team, uh, continues to shine through as the one of the leading tacklers on the team. Uh, 13 total tackles, nine of which were solo. Still not really getting home uh, for South Carolina. While they did have one sack on the day and six tackles for loss, they're still not really being able to get through the opposing team's offensive lines. And in games like this, these are the ones where it's like, it makes you feel not optimistic. 
about how things have been or how things could go for the remainder of this season. Yeah. Especially considering the fact that we do have Kentucky and Clemson. I mean, and we can't honestly overlook Vanderbilt either. Yeah. Um, no, but but yeah, it's we'll see. We'll see. I'm um I would be more worried about Kentucky than Clemson. At this point, yes. I I 100% agree. Pick six that did seal the game. Like I said, Stone Blanton, uh, 88-yard return for a touchdown for that one. It was fantastic. I was watching it. But, yeah, uh, so the first ever battle of the Gamecocks, the University of South Carolina Gamecocks, the ones that have been the Gamecocks since 1801, continue to be and for all intents and purposes have the rights uh, to or the full rights and exclusivity <laughs> in being able to use that moniker. But now moving ahead, looking forward to week number 11. Already I know 11. it's crazy. Um, we are going to be getting back into a full preview of the entirety of the SEC schedule. Uh, a couple of quick things to point out. Of course, Georgia is still undefeated at this point. Yeah. Um, and Vol fans across the country are hoping that Uncle Lane can put a <laughs> chink in their armor. Ch- change that in, in some capacity. <clears throat> Georgia did wind up taking down Missouri 30-21. to 21. I did watch that game. It seemed like it should have gone a different way mm-hmm. multiple times. A few mistakes <laughs> but as on we, Missouri's part changed uh, yeah, everything. Yes, and, and Georgia did Georgia things and mm-hmm. stepped up defensively uh, even more so than what they were at the beginning of the game and then found a way to be able to navigate Missouri's stout See, defense. that's the thing that kills me about this is this is not the best they're still the best team in the SEC, and but it's not the quite possibly best the country of Georgia. But it is not the best version of Georgia, no, whatsoever. And that's what sucks is that this is not the best version of Georgia, and still no one else in the country can beat them. They that they've played, they've had one loss since the beginning of the twenty twenty one season. Yep, one. Yeah, it's insane. It's insane. I mean, those first two national championships, best version of Georgia you've ever seen since the '80s. Yes, but this year is not the best version of Georgia yet. They still now. Granted, we've also said multiple times they don't have the schedule that a lot of other SEC teams have. No, they don't. So really, you can put you know they've played Kentucky and South Carolina really. And now Missouri, that I would have said, are three teams that could play Georgia. Right. Other than that, none of the others could have played Georgia. So they've played three teams. I mean, the way Kentucky played, I would say they've played two teams, South Carolina and Missouri. Right. Those have been the two closest. So other than that, they've not played anybody. But still, this is not the best Georgia. And they're still freaking undefeated. Yes, nine and zero overall, six and zero in conference. Missouri sitting in second place right now, seven and two overall, three and two in conference, tied with Tennessee. And this is the week that Tennessee fans hopes that Ole Miss can take Uncle, care of Georgia. Uncle Be- Kiffin. Yeah, because if Tennessee gets the dub over Missouri oh, in Como, then that will f- put Tennessee in. 
contention for contention the making SEC basically making next week's game oh, or God. yes next week's game with Georgia up here in Tennessee for the East. Oh my God, the stress. Yes. <laughs> like say <laughs> what you want about being at the top. Like when we weren't at the top, it was less stressful. The better your team gets, the more stress it packs on you. You know, it's like you want to be at the so, top. Absolutely. So, right, but now you know how but, Alabama feels. Yeah, but, how, na- but it's like, oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> when we sucked, it was less stressful. <laughs> a win was exciting, and a loss was just, eh, you know, we got to hang out in Knoxville. Welcome to the life of a Gamecock. <laughs> it's just crazy. It's crazy. Less to, stress. It's it's crazy to think that if if all things happen the way that Vols want to happen this weekend, next Saturday in Knoxville will basically be the battle for the SEC if Ole Miss can knock off Georgia. Yes. If not, two things have to happen. We just need yep. two things to happen to make next Your weekend week, the yeah. playoff for the SEC championship. Yeah. Oh. And since and since those are the implications, let's just go ahead and start with that one. Tennessee does travel to Columbia, Missouri to take on the Tigers. That game is set for three thirty. Three thirty kickoff on CBS. The current line is Tennessee is favored by two points. So they're when that's not went even, up in the last two days. They're not even saying that Mizzou is going to have even. Fully, full-on, baked-in home field advantage with no. this one, because that's usually a, a field goal. That's usually three points, three, three and a half. Over/under for this game currently is set at fifty-seven and a half. Number thirteen Tennessee versus number fourteen Missouri in Missouri. Yet I believe that field. people would still look at this as an upset if Tennessee wins. We can be favored. It can be home team advantage. If we were to win, there are people, analysts, fans, what have you, who would say Tennessee upset Missouri, Just, even though we're higher. And it's because of the the enamoration that people have developed for Missouri because usually whenever you hear Mizzou, for whatever reason, especially since they've, since they've been in the SEC – People have looked at it as taboo almost. Yeah. And people people tend to latch on to the the non normal more so. Yeah, I've I've noticed a lot of new Mizzou fans this year that I didn't know existed. Anytime anybody's winning, you just start seeing more people come out of the out of the woodworks. It's almost like Whenever you purchase a particular vehicle, you never would see that vehicle on the road until you started driving that vehicle. Yeah. I've noticed that, too. Yeah. It's insane. So, I do have some thoughts before we go into breaking down things. I wrote these this morning. So, Mizzou on the offense. Yeah. Mizzou's the top five offense in the country. Yes. For sure. And if anybody knows what it's like, it's some of these Vols to be in a top five offense. But let me take you back a year. As is mentioned at least once on this podcast every episode, let's take you back to the year 2022. 
Tennessee has the best offense in the country. Yet South Carolina finds a way to stop us, outscore us, and knock us out of the playoff contention. With that being said, Mizzou has a top five offense, a deadly combo on offense. Sure, he's playing better than he did last year as a quarterback, but he is not the best quarterback in the country that people keep talking like he is. Talking about Cook? Yes. Brady Cook? Anyone who thinks he's the best quarterback in the country is fooling himself. A good He's a top five. A good defense can take care of Brady Cook. Yes. That was made evident last week with Georgia. That's what I, that's, the that's thing what about, I was about it to is, say. is Georgia and Missouri's defense are very similar in how they've been able to get after opposing teams' offenses. Mm-hmm. It's just a situation to where Georgia had a slight edge in talent for the offensive side of the ball over even, even as the, a the, dynamic the combo yeah. as Brady Cook and Luther Burden are. Now, don't get me wrong. Luther Burden is a first-round draft pick. By in my far. Mind. By far, he's a first-round draft pick. The first round this year is going to be all QBs and wide receivers yes, for the most part. because that's how the game's changed. Yeah. And, 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 and also, don't let him fool you. Drink can say he's questionable. He's playing this Saturday. <laughs> he can say he's questionable all he wants. Oh, he's worried. You know, he didn't want to go to the medical tent. He went out for a little bit. But he came back and played. Burden's playing this, this Saturday. So don't think that we're not going to see him on the field. Uh, but like I said, Georgia did show that if you get to him or his weapons, if you have even a little bit better defense than they have faced most of this year, you can make him stumble and you can throw him off his groove. Tennessee has a better ranked defense than Georgia at the moment. So that's what I'm looking for. If our defense does what it is capable of doing, getting to the QB, making him run away, hitting him, taking away yards, and even throwing in a blitz from behind the front seven, you could see a totally different Mizzou quarterback. Oh, for sure. Now let's talk about Mizzou's defense. Granted, from 2021 to now, their defense has come a long way. Very much so. But Mizzou barely has a top 10 defense in the SEC. LSU proved that if you have a, any running back weapons, you can put a hurt on this defense. Even Ray Davis, for we were like, oh, he, did, he ran a – he still almost cracked 200 yards, 180 yards against their defense in one of their worst games played. Right. They do have an experienced secondary unit. But if we rush the passer, make them make bad decisions, get some defensive TDs like we did last week, and then rush all over the field like we have in the last three games, Tennessee is one of the best in America at rushing and rushing defense. Yes. Let's not forget Mizzou hung with Georgia last year, too, and then Tennessee put 66 on them. Right. So, don't get me wrong. Brady will pick on our secondary. It's if just he facts. has the opportunity. If, he has the, if he's given the opportunity, everyone knows Tennessee's weakness is in the secondary. Vol fans know it. All of our opponents know it. No Even last week. No sign stealing needed. Yes, no sign stealing needed. Even last week, he threw over 200 yards against us, and they still only scored three points. But he still threw over 200 yards against our secondary. Yeah. And so, we've been talking about it all year. Yeah. The SEC, the SEC secondaries this year it's have not bad. been. It's just rough. And, and I think it's because 
ACC all around just focused on offensive weapons in front seven. And when it came down to it, they were like, oh, crap, we still have to stop throws. Right. We st- Crap. Uh, well, let's see if they'll come to Tennessee. Let's see if they'll. Um, so don't get me wrong. If allowed, he will pick on our secondary. But if Tennessee does what they have the last two weeks, if they shut him down the way that our defense has shut down a lot of people this year, we can beat them. Coming into this week, I did feel less confident. Like probably on Monday or Tuesday, I was like, oh, God, it's Missouri. I was feeling a lot less confident. But as going through the week and like looking at numbers and stats and replaying last week and the week before his game in my head and going back and looking at some of the highlights, it's all there to beat Missouri. Yes. Now, if we do, can we beat Georgia? That's a conversation for next week. I'm still very up in the air about that. <laughs> well, as <laughs> but as, as as for this weekend, we have everything to beat Missouri. We do. And as long as Tennessee can take care of that, then they have taken care of their end of what needs to happen for this week to set up. We just up need Kiffin to take care next of week. <laughs> and we'll go ahead and start go to that one. Uh, number nine, Ole Miss, and Lane Kiffin heading to Athens to take on Oof. number two, Georgia. For a 7 p.m. kickoff on ESPN, current line on that one, Georgia is favored by 11 points. And this is all on ESPN. I'm sure different uh, betting outlets, FanDuel, MGM, whatever is going to have them at different points. Uh, And the over-under for this one is sitting at 58.5. Georgia has, has time and time again seems to be playing to who their competition is and they have such a good feel for who their competition is that I could see this one potentially being close but I still think Georgia's going to get the win and unfortunately it'll be a situation to where Tennessee will, you know, move into that second place behind. Yeah. But I would love to see Ole Miss beat Georgia and create a monumental hey. game for next week in Tennessee. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be big as it is anyway. Yeah, even if we're in second place, it's going to be big. But I think it's the number of people that would be coming to this area more so next week if Ole Miss does beat Georgia in Athens. Mm-hmm. And here's the thing. This is one of the first night games that people of of Athens, the the Georgia faithful that want to go down to Sanford Stadium, hardly ever get a night game and hardly ever get an SEC night game. Most all of their wow. games have been played as noon or afternoon games. I never thought about that. Hardly ever any night games. So I'm kind of curious as to what a night environment in Sanford Stadium is going to be like. Probably a nightmare. I, I could only imagine all those people that bark, bark. and everything else as, as incessantly like they won't as they do. shut that dog up next door. That's not the dog. It's the stadium <laughs> That's down the road. It's the stadium. So I... The the line being at 11, I mean, 
I I think they're they're being kind to Ole Miss in this capacity because, like you said, Ole Miss play or uh, Mizzou played Georgia very very close mm-hmm. last year, and then Tennessee turned around the following week and hung over points. half a hundred on it. Yeah. <laughs> and Georgia, as you said, plays to who they're playing. Yeah. It, it the the one main team that earlier in the season that turned out to have an opportunity or should have had the best opportunity and this actually started Kentucky's losing streak was Georgia versus Kentucky and they got beat by what 30 mm-hmm. some something 40 something points during that game yeah. so and then Florida was the next one to have the best opportunity at the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. And then they and Georgia that Florida, turned around that and Florida. And that's why I'll always, like, I will die on the hill that Tennessee, Florida is a thing because of when we play Florida. Right. If it were if later we in the season. If we played that Florida. Yeah. It'd, it'd be a completely <laughs> different scenario. If you put scenario. our teams now against each other, Tennessee beats Florida. And it the game next week would already be yeah the the game that would potentially be I mean next year they right are now, one of our last games yeah that that uh, Tennessee is now having to to rely on yep. on Lane Kiffin one oh. of their most <laughs> most hated people we've been to, here before to to show up and show out just to to be able to allow them to advance. Um, what do you think about the outcome of this? And I know what you want to happen, but what does your heart of hearts yeah. tell you? I know what I want to happen, but I can't. I can't rely on my heart. My heart gets me in trouble. In this, in this my aspect, head, <laughs> my head is saying, you know, Georgia's going to Georgia. It's a night game in between the hedges. They are a as proven volatile environment in between the hedges. Um, Think about this though: South Georgia, and then you have basically Southern Mississippi oof. coming in and kick off at seven p.m. They've been drinking all day in Georgia. is slated to be fifty-one degrees. What a beautiful evening. And it's going to get cooler. Oh yeah, it's I mean the colder. sun's already going to be down, so it's going to be fifty-one at that point. And They'll all be warm though. Dropping with the yeah. hooch, they've had hooch all day. Right. They'll all be have their own interior uh, heating units on because they've been drinking alcohol all day. It could be a very volatile game. Very. Southern Mississippi is a a volatile area. So is Southern Georgia, <laughs> especially when it comes to football. So I think Georgia still pulls this victory. Totally uh, agree. This is this is by deep. at least a touchdown. Okay, so you're giving uh, you're taking Ole Miss to cover. Yes, I got gotcha. you. Um, looking at pricing on this game, as far as tickets as low as still available, um, this is the highest ticketed game for the SEC slate at 187 dollars per oh. ticket for tickets still available. Uh, the Tennessee Missouri game takes, I believe, fourth spot. And there are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven SEC games on the slate for this weekend. 
The lowest being Auburn, Arkansas. <laughs> at $13 a ticket. Naturally. Um, and we'll actually go ahead and go to that one. If, uh, Auburn, if Auburn doesn't win this game. Ugh. Well, we can't really say that considering that Florida just lost to Arkansas. Oh, God, yeah. That was so exciting. So, Auburn, Arkansas, 4 p.m. on SEC. This will be the – or on SEC Network. Uh, this will be the game after the South Carolina Vanderbilt game. Uh, Auburn comes in five and four overall, two and four in SEC. Arkansas three and six on the season, one and five in the SEC. Arkansas in the same boat basically as South Carolina are basically at this point playing to get to a bowl game. Your one SEC win is against the Gators, though. Yeah, you got to be high still, just like uh, we've sucked. The fact but by God, we beat the Gators, <laughs> right? And that may play into the factor for this game because they are going to be on home field, mm-hmm. which is why the current line is Arkansas favored by two points, and the over-under for this game is setting at 48.5. It's not going to do anything other than either get Arkansas one step closer to being able to be bowl eligible or it, it – which one of them is going to have bragging rights until next season in terms of having the victory over the other one because it's not really going to have any effect on the SEC West rankings. Well, I mean, let's just be honest. This is an Auburn that the SEC is not used to seeing in the last 20 years. This is this is a, a, a less-than-stellar Auburn. Granted, it's Hugh Freeze's first season. Auburn and is, I say he is a good coach. Auburn has had some up moments, but Auburn hasn't been anything since Cam Newton left. Yeah. And you got to go all the way back to 2010 for that. Yeah. So we're looking at 14 years. Yeah, 14 years. And the same can be said for South Carolina at this point. I mean, they really haven't been anything much to brag about since Spurrier left. You had the one nine-win season during the Muschamp era that – in my opinion, was a complete fluke. I think it was just luck of the draw that we caught everybody with South Carolina having senior talent that year while everybody else had all freshman and sophomore talent. So it was just one of those luck of the draw seasons with that. But for this game and, and for this year's Auburn, I think it's honestly going to be the Hogs. I think it's going to put Auburn at 5-5 five and five on the season, going to put them at 2-5 and five in conference play. That's going to give Auburn the same conference record, or Arkansas the same conference record as Auburn. And, and it's just that backed into a corner, back against the cliff. If you get backed up any further, you're, you're going over the edge. So it's do or die mode. Well, I dare you to corner an actual Razorback. Right. <laughs> so so I think that Arkansas is going to win this one. Um, and I think it's probably going to be as close as, as they're saying it could be. I think this is going to be a real fight, albeit for the not necessarily the full-on bottom of the SEC West because Mississippi State's still in that contention. But... I mean, 
Well, this is two, just, of, the, just, two of the bottom three teams of the yeah, West are, just, are facing each other to make sure that each other is not the second worst team. Right. That, there you go. We're playing to, to make sure that we're the third. To say is we're not the second or the first worst. We're not that bad. Come on. Right. They can, they're, they're playing to be in part of the jokes we're, with the we're, rest of the West. We're, we're playing to be fifth best, not third worst. We're trying, we're trying to play. to make, We're playing to make sure that we aren't made fun of in Matt Mitchell's skits. <laughs> there you go. Pretty much. Which is they're going to be anyway. Oh, yeah. But as far as the final thoughts on this one in terms of uh, win-loss. I got Razorback still. Okay. Uh, you know, I mean less than stellar seasons for both these teams and I do think that Hugh Freeze is a good coach I just think that you know this isn't his system he's not had time to create this his system he will uh I don't think that any coach either coaches seats heat up um if anyone's maybe Arkansas because he's been there longer right if they lose uh but I still have Razorbacks win uh, over Auburn because Auburn is just not good this year. And like I said, they're cornered. And as we saw against Bama and as we saw against some other teams, the Razorbacks can play. Yes. The Tigers can't play this year. The Razorbacks are I, playing better than the Tigers have. I understand that. Definitely understand that. The The same battle but in the East is one that I find myself a part of. As to stay out of the out of Matt Mitchell's jokes. Out of out of the bottom of the barrel for the East. Uh, as Vanderbilt does head to Columbia, South Carolina to take on the Gamecocks. That is a noon kickoff on SEC Network. Supposed to be a sunny fifty three degrees at kickoff in Williams Bryce Stadium. The line currently is favoring South Carolina by two touchdowns. 14-point favorites for South Carolina over-under on that game is setting at 57 and a half. I think he scored more than 14 over him. I, I once again, I'm just going to let make the, sure it's the not game the play out. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just, I'm, hopefully it's situations to where Mario Anderson or Xavier Leggett are going to be able to continue to add on to what their legend currently is because Mario Anderson in roughly five full games maybe even less has managed to account for 543 yards on 108 carries and Xavier Leggett is currently sitting at 973 yards on 50 catches for the year to put that in perspective um, was it Squirrel White Mm -hmm. is just shy of a thousand yards right now, but that's on fourteen more catches to be able to get to that point. So it's it's been long, long chunk plays for South Carolina, and hopefully that continues uh, against a very suspect uh, Vanderbilt secondary. Uh, but like you said, just as long as it doesn't happen uh, down in the red zone, we get you know a good forty, fifty, sixty yard play. Uh, that results in a touchdown instead of getting down there in the red zone and everything getting bunched up and tightened up down there. Uh, but currently Vanderbilt 2-8 and eight on the year, 0-6 in SEC play. South Carolina 3-6 and six on the year, 1-5 in SEC play. Much like Arkansas, desperate to get that other win. 
At this point, Vanderbilt is already out of contention for being eligible for a bowl game, so they are just looking to play spoiler to everyone else. Or, if you believe <laughs> how most people spin it, uh, since Vanderbilt is the proverbial whipping post for the conference in general, uh, that they are helping the other teams get their eligibility, so to speak. <laughs> and and while I hope South Carolina, of course, ultimately does gain bowl eligibility in this season, I don't think that way. Even though South Carolina is now currently sitting at a 14 or 15 game winning streak against Vanderbilt, and I hope that continues at some point. Streaks do have to end. I just hope that it is not this year. Actually, I hope it's not anytime soon, but, you know, at some point it is going to happen as long as we continue to face off against each other. And, as it stands, Vanderbilt is still going to be remaining as one of the opponents for South Carolina even after this major schedule change going into the 2024 season. Hmm. Well, i got to say, we had a almost 30-year streak on him before uh, I never remember his name because he beat us. What's his face from Vandy came into Neyland and beat us in that 29 year streak. I remember who he is the. I've talked about him before. He wound up being a quarterback for the Bears for yeah. uh, uh, a bit of time. Yeah, he did. Uh, Cutler. Jay Cutler. Jay Cutler. Yep. Was the first to beat the Vols in 29 years and he did it in Neyland. So, I mean. Which is a, an amazing feat in and of itself. Yes, it is. So. Yes, streaks can be broken, but I'm telling you, I, I don't see it happening this Saturday. But I'll uh, I'll let you uh, remain hesitant for the rest of the season. And <laughs> right, I'm I'm holding my breath just in the fact that, like I said, I hope that we can eventually get to bowl eligibility. Yeah. In this season, um, all signals, all signs are pointing that way for this weekend, but. Like I said, we just played Jacksonville State, and I don't know if you put Jacksonville State up against Vanderbilt, if Jacksonville State would mop the floor with them, or if it'd be a, a really close game. But I, I, November, you make them remember November, and mm-hmm. and hopefully South Carolina can can put together uh, a good game plan to to finally reach bowl eligibility. Last week we cleared the first hurdle. Um, much like Georgia had four hurdles to, to overcome to be able to guarantee a spot in the playoffs to hopefully go for that three-peat, uh, South Carolina and now Arkansas alike have to win out for the remainder of their season to be able to hope for bowl eligibility uh, in this scenario. Uh, I want to say Gamecock swim, but I'm not going to put any sort of stipulations on it or, or, or guesses in any of that capacity. All right, the second highest price game for tickets remaining belongs to Alabama versus Kentucky. And Alabama is traveling to Kroger Field in Lexington, Lexington, Kentucky. This one also for a noon kickoff. It's going to be cold in Kentucky at kickoff. It's already slated to be 45 at that point. Thankfully, it's at midday, so it should get a little bit warmer. 45 in Kroger is like 30. Yeah, but it's... Whew, it, it it looks like it's... The field and the grocery store. <laughs> right. <laughs> if Ray Davis... I'd love to If Ray Davis can go off, if he has the opportunity to be able to run up and down the field, it could prove to be a long day for Alabama, but... 
Um, right now, Alabama, oddly enough, only favored by 11 with the over-under on this game set at 47.5, so they're expecting a full-on defensive battle for this game and giving Alabama a little bit of a leg up. Um, Kentucky, if you get up on them by two possessions. Keep the pedal keep to the metal. the pedal down. Don't let up. Do not let up in any capacity. Um, Alabama 8-1 and one on the season. Their only loss right now, of course, still being to Texas. 6-0 in SEC play. Kentucky 6-3 and three on the season. Already having ball eligibility taken care of. 3-3 three and three in conference play. I don't bet against Bama. Never bet against Bama. I, I, I don't know if i go anything as far as the points line in this one. I'd probably say Alabama uh, minus the 11. But, I mean, this could be one of those surprise games for Alabama thinking, oh, it's just Kentucky. We'll be able to take care of them with no problem. And then other things happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, Devin Leary and Ray Davis decide that they're going to have a day. Hopefully. I mean, you know, my heart says go blue on this one. Uh, but like we've said in almost every episode, except for the Texas loss, Bama can Bama. Don't count them out. Right. You know, if we win this weekend and even still lose to Georgia and then win against Vandy, we could quite possibly be in the Citrus Bowl this year. Yeah. Because, I mean, that would put you at 11-2 and two on the season. Yeah. Some would say Citrus Bowl. Well, you're already trying to do some... No. <laughs> I'm, I'm just... I was just think, sitting here thinking, like, if we were to win and still lose to Georgia, where would we... And where would win, you where ultimately would we go? end up? Ultimately, it probably... Most likely a Citrus Bowl. But, you know, go blue. But, you know, my head still says... Bama somehow pulls out a victory over Kentucky. I feel that. Pricing for tickets slightly above the Tennessee-Missouri game. Florida at LSU, 7.30, SEC Network. This is the third game. Um, Vanderbilt, South Carolina, followed by Auburn, Arkansas, and ending the day on the SEC Network with Florida, LSU, Florida traveling to Baton Rouge to Tiger Stadium to take on number 19 LSU. Florida 5 and 4 on the season, 3 and 3 in SEC. LSU 6 and 3 on the season, 4 and 2 in conference play. Tickets still available as low as $52. 65 degree weather for kickoff at 7:30 in Baton Rouge. LSU minus 15 over under for this game 65 and a half. I'm going to say that there is a less than 50% chance that a shoe gets thrown in this game. I know that's a joke for several years ago at this point. Um, But this one always turns into a dogfight or a a gator tiger fight in this capacity. It's always one of those cross-division. It's a more volatile game every year. For some reason, LSU and Florida. And they always play close. Yeah. No matter where each one sits, like, they both could be at the top of their division. They both could be at the bottom of their division. But they always play each other so close. Yep. Florida in a situation where they need one more win to be able to gain bowl eligibility. And 
you got three chances to do it. You you take one in three with your remaining games being <clears throat> uh, LSU. Uh, I know that they've got um, Missouri next and then Florida State to finish out the year. And with the way it's lining up, I mean, they're going against three top 25 teams to round out their season. After having lost to number one Georgia and then they wound up losing a close one to Arkansas, you know they've got to feel defeated at this point. I don't think they're going to wind up getting the win against LSU. Their best opportunity is to be able to get it against Florida or against uh, Missouri after, you know, Tennessee hopefully gets a little demoralization, you know, going toward Missouri's way uh, this weekend. Um, because Florida State is another one that's just very unlikely. So the possibility for Florida to not even make a bowl game is is up there, honestly, with the Gamecocks at this point. Even though Florida has the edge in the fact that they have only one more game that they need to win to get to that point. Um, it could still not happen for them. Yeah, it just seems unlikely considering the opponents that they still have left to play. Um and I think it's just a situation where LSU just has more talent currently. Mm-hmm. Um, Billy Napier does have a very good class coming in for this next season, but we'll we'll just have but to see. I always think back to the whenever I, I I think of like LSU going against Florida, and you know it's a volatile game, and Florida could beat them. The two games I think of that LSU played this year that still stick out to me are LSU Missouri and LSU Ole Miss. Yes. Like that LSU plays, Florida's got no chance. Right. None. Vinny, Vinny Mac, no chance. <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. There's that uh, wrestling reference yes. that has to get dropped in there. Um, I, I firmly believe that, that LSU is going to take this one yeah, with no problem. Uh, like I said, leaving next weekend against... Missouri, Florida's real main chance to to be able to seal up that six win and reach bowl eligibility. Final game for the SEC slate, and I don't think we're going to highlight any of the other games or in any other conference just because nah. we had the the yeah recap. Yeah. We'll get back to that next week. All of that good stuff, but Mississippi State traveling to Kyle Field to College Station, Texas, to take on. The Aggies of Texas A&M, Mississippi State comes into this one four and five on the season, one and five in conference play. Texas A&M five and four on the season, three and three in conference play. One win away for Jimbo Fisher to be able to get back to at least bowl status that they missed last year. And uh, A&M is currently sitting at being a seventeen point favorite in this one with the over under for this one at. 42 and a half. A&M loses and he misses another year of eligibility for a ball. Do you think his seat warms up? Since he's Jimbo Fisher. His seat is already warm but I still think that there is too big of a buyout for this season. Mm -hmm. The, The class that was at highest rated class in in history for all things all time always um 
is in what would be their sophomore year this year. So I think they give him the benefit of the doubt of one more full season, especially with Petrino in there as the offensive coordinator, it not being Fisher calling the offense. Mm -hmm. But if they maintain mediocrity next season, then, yeah, he's done. Um, That contract buyout is going to drop fairly substantially. And then, especially with any kind of clauses they may have in the contract about seasons and how they're going and everything else, yeah. You know, until until we talk discussed the guys, uh, the coach's clause that he had to score. Oh, Brian Ferentz. Brian Ferentz. Yeah, Iowa. That conversation made me think more about clauses. Like, God knows what clauses are in some of these contracts. Oh, the ones that you only hear about for the most part are the ones that are guaranteed bonuses if a coach gets to a certain threshold in terms of wins versus losses. Mm -hmm. Or Or a bowl appearance. Or attendance picks up. That type of stuff, yeah. Uh, You never hear, really, unless it's (laughs) something like this instance with with Ference and the, the Hawkeyes. That's crazy. Um, that if they do not meet certain stipulations, then... And I never thought about it that yeah, way. In, not in, in a contract and other jobs, yeah, you're, it's, there are clauses of things. You're not fulfilling contractual obligations. Yeah, it's crazy. That's a, a an actor not going to press junkets. That's, you know... I mean, remember what uh, uh, the NFL came after Mar- Marshawn Lynch that year that he like wouldn't talk to the press like no that's part of your job yeah they started finding him and he would just say a few words every conference be like there i talked to him whenever oh he had the whole thing um to where his answer for every single question was oh yeah i'm here just here so i don't get fined mm-hmm. yeah or or he hates the media even i get it even, i do too <laughs> even closer to to our world in in terms of the theater world the performers are contractually obligated to maintain a certain weight or appearance. Yeah. And if that varies wildly without having gained consent mm-hmm. of the director beforehand, then that's violation of contract. Yeah. And we witnessed a lot of those old contracts. Like, I witnessed a clogger get in deep trouble for cutting a little length off her hair. Yes, because at that point, because it was a change you to were her hired appearance. at that. Yeah, Just she like, got fined. I couldn't. I couldn't let my beard continue to grow past a certain point, nor could I trim it up shorter mm-hmm. than a certain length for a period as of the time. Bearded as lady. the bearded lady. Yeah. Um, and beyond that, I mean, we never actually got into it because that that contract never actually fell or yeah. you know uh, came to fruition. Mm-hmm. Um, but it would have been established in a contract as far as with me playing a certain uh, snowy white bearded figure. Holiday figure. Holiday figure uh, coming up. The, yeah. All that maintenance and everything else to, to maintain that and to have to continue to have that persona outside of oh, the, yeah. the theater. Like It would either be become it. a complete homebody or continue that persona while out in public it is a persona that i could not do in public yeah because you're always gonna have have a little kid look up and be like (gasps) 
I would have to be like, I can't do this because they won't let me turn it off. Yeah, and that's the thing is, and that's probably what they didn't consider, is that I, at my age at that time, me being a, you know, 38-year-old at Mm -hmm. that time, would be changing my appearance so radically that I would make myself look older and that I would have to carry this around was something that was not considered by them whenever it was originally offered to me. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, it still it comes back to contractual obligations it's with this cra- stuff. Like, like it, just, it just got me thinking, like, what contractual obligations does Saban have? The great Nick Saban. Like, do you think his, because of what he's done at Alabama since his his arrival, I think do you think they're in, more lenient towards him? That's what I was going to say. I think in his situation that he has got more leeway yeah. because he has set the bar. Now, it's going to be unfortunate for any other coaches <laughs> that come afterwards uh, because that precedence was set so high. And and kind of the, the reason for the deviation from this, because uh, we're pretty well finished with the entirety yeah, of the yeah. schedule, it just came out in the last 24 hours, leaked audio. Yes. Of from un- of Uncle, Uncle Kiffin. <laughs> dismissing a player from the Ole Miss team because of basically contractual the obligations. Abuse. And then this is what it comes down to. It's the abuse of mental health, truthfully. Right. This player abused the... Cause he was trying to hide behind the yes. the, the veil, the of, shield yes. of mental health. And, like, and I get it. I'm a huge mental health ad- advocate. I'm pro-therapy. I've, I've been to therapists. I'm, I'm very pro-therapy. But people who hide behind it that want to use it as they an excuse. They want to use it as an excuse. You went multiple weeks without communicating with your boss. Yes. And I asked you off air, what if that was one of your employees who went two weeks yeah, not like, answering a text, not showing up? Done. Done. Exactly. You're done. And you would look at, if it were me, you would look at me and say, you not only ignored me, you not only did this, but you hid behind something I'm passionate about. Right. That's wrong. You yeah. know, and it's it's a shame. It really is a shame because that will set back yes mental health advancement. Yes. yes. It's it's always going to be a situation where there's something that needs to be talked about, something that needs to be discussed, something that needs to be worked on. Someone inevitably will find a way to make monetary gain off of it. And all it does is nothing but create setbacks for the advancement of... people who really need it. Yeah. Yes. It's a shame. It's a shame. But, yeah, that leaked audio is out there. Anybody can hear it. Uh, Of Uncle Kiffin uh, dismissing a player for the uh, violation of his contract because at the end of the day, they're contractually through NIL. Through NIL at this point. He's getting paid. He is an, an employee. Yeah. At that point. People um, people may not want to hear that. People may not want to believe it, but it has gotten to a point. I mean, it was it was behind the the behind closed doors, behind the veil. Mm-hmm. Pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. But this stuff has been going on for years. But now the fact that if it is openly talked about, it doesn't matter. 
No. Because well, ultimately, at the end a, of the day, uh, 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 one party... One party consent. One party consent. So if you're wanting to record a conversation in the state of Mississippi, you only need one party's consent, and that can be the party that's recording. Yes. So it, it's legally Kiffin did the right thing. A, he recorded the conversation, so this kid can't say anything. Uh, other way him. around. The kid was the one that actually wound up recording the conversation. Wow. And, but trying to portray Kiffin in a negative light, but yes. it has severely backfired yes. just because of the fact that Kiffin does call him out for it being BS, and even yeah. if they do want to fight it, that's what I was saying as far as the timing of this video coming out because this is something that actually took place during spring practice. Oh, wow. Like, this goes back a while whenever the events originally transpired. Yeah. So this kid leaked the audio thinking he could... Right, and it, that's the thing. It's during the week of Ole Miss's biggest game of the season up to this point because they are taking on the defending nas- two-time defending national wow. da- champion Georgia Bulldogs trying to create. So, I mean, amidst this whole Michigan sign-stealing scandal, this is just another element of things going on that is creating a an international buzz for the the sport of college football. The college NCAA athletics, as a whole. And the NCAA as a whole. <laughs> And and I don't know if it's the NCAA trying to just get more light on them or or what the situation may be with this with all of it in general, um, but the the eyes of the world are definitely focused on college football. Yeah, the NCAA, Michigan. Now, once everything gets fully out about this uh, Ole Miss thing going on, because there's a $40 million lawsuit that has been filed by the player or or representation of the player to Ole Miss, and Ole Miss has asked for a dismissal of it. I mean, just because it's it's BS. Yeah. And I, and so, I side with Kiffin on this. Like, this player's trying to abuse mental well, health as an excuse. What about you volunteer fans? Do you find yourself being able to come to a point where you agree with something in, that like in one Kiffin week we have been put to the test of a having to do you agree with Kiffin and b are you cheering for him this Saturday? Right. Yes. In one week we have been put to the test twice. Whenever it with comes Uncle to Kiffin. Uncle Kiffin. And as for the for the Michigan thing, I for the first time in my life am siding with Stephen A. Smith on something because <laughs> I can't stand that guy. Um, they absolutely should be uh, until you go through the legal correct process and try to find proof in all this. And, and A, we need to establish a statute because so many players, so many coaches are coming out and saying it's always been a thing. Right, but if there's a certain spot that they did break protocol in a certain light, that statute needs to be established. There needs to be a rule made, and moving forward, just like the Des Bryant rule is now called the "What's a catch? How many steps?" that screwed us against the Packers that year in the playoff. Um, 
Someone's going to have to have an example made of them. Right. And if it's Michigan, it's got to be Michigan. I agree with Stephen A. Smith that until you truly go through the process, they should not be sitting at playoff contention. They're taking a spot from quite possibly another good team that has played by the rules. So if it comes out that Michigan is very guilty of doing it the wrong way, I, until all this started, did not know there was a right way of sign stealing. I did not so, know that. So a a sense of a form of punishment, mm-hmm. but you're still technically innocent until proven guilty. Yes, because I'm firm believer in innocent until proven guilty. Because in the last... But we're not going to let you walk scot-free yeah. until... Okay. Until you're proven innocent. Now, you, okay, you are, okay, in my so mind, you are innocent until proven guilty, right, but so, you have to be proved innocent. So, so a situation, all right, Michigan has, air quote, been arrested. Mm-hmm. Um, these are the charges. These are the allegations. This is all this other stuff. We can no longer detain you at the jail. Yeah. You're free to go. You're free to continue your life, but... Don't leave town. Don't leave town. Yeah. And and the don't leave town is you cannot play for a conference championship. You cannot play for a national championship. Yeah. But what if they did not do anything? What if it's found that they didn't? It's part of the process. So it just needs to be established as being part of the process. Yeah. And at this point, if... And the way it looks is if the NCAA, as an organization, tries to impose anything on Michigan as or in that format, then the Big Ten before before will counter anything comes out. The Big Ten is looking to be like no middle finger to the NCAA counter sue. Yeah. Saying this is our best opportunity right now to, to have, win a national to win a national championship <laughs> to for the, the division. SEC. God, yeah, <laughs> guys, that just about wraps it up for another episode of the Cocky Top Podcast. On behalf of all of all T Mac Tyler McDaniel, I am forever to the Gamecock Brian Lowe, saying we will see you on next week's episode. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Cocky Top Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode. For more information about what's happening with any of the Studio 66 shows, make sure to like, follow, subscribe, click the thumbs up, whatever you have to do to make sure you get your fill of this legendary content. Search Studio 66 on Facebook or Instagram, or the Studio 66 playlist on YouTube from Tennessee Legend Distillery. You can also subscribe to our Patreon channel, patreon.com slash tldstudio66, for additional content for all of the Studio 66 shows, as well as gifts from the different Studio 66 podcasts and Tennessee Legend Distillery. And if that wasn't enough, you can also visit our website, tldstudio66.com, where you can find links to all of the shows and podcasts, as well as merchandise for all of the individual podcasts. And don't forget to sign up for our newsletter. Heck, you can even leave us a voicemail if you like via SpeakPipe or send us an email at tldtube23 at gmail.com. However you go about it, 
Make sure you don't miss out on getting even more legendary info about the studio, as well as the distillery from Studio 66, presented by Tennessee Legend Distillery.